It's been over a year now since In The Key Of Q launched. In our archive, you can find over 50 interviews of queer musicians from around the world and hear their music from rap Unaware of my proclivities to self-sabotage to country soul and rock. These episodes are available on the main feed. You can access them via the website at inthekeyofq.com or wherever you normally listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome back to this In The Key Of Q special, looking at black queer identities through an American lens. The presenter, as before, is Carrington Kelso. And if you haven't heard part one, I suggest you go back and have a listen, in which Carrington speaks with the musicians, the ism, and Ty McKinney about their own stories and journeys. In the second part, Carrington chats with comedian Samson McCormick before getting all the guests back for a round table. But first, let's hear a two-minute clip of Samson in action and then straight on to Carrington. My new barber is cool, but he's over at Crenshaw. You know, he don't know that I'm gay. And the people in here who've been to a black barbershop before, you know the two things they talk about in a black barbershop is sports and pussy. I don't know what the fuck they be talking about. I be confused, working out in sweats and shit, you know. I be on Google Translate like You know when you up in there, you know they work on your self-esteem. So you sitting up in that chair, right? And they start working on your hand. They be like, yeah, brother, when you leave, you gonna get all the ladies. And I'm quiet. And I'm quiet, because I don't lie, so I just stay quiet, right? I omit the truth. I'm just like, all right, cool. Why you act like you don't get no pussy? <laughs> You ain't never had it. You ain't never ate it before. I'm like, look, I don't even know how to cook that shit. <laughs> and it's not that I'm in anybody's closet because I'm not in anybody's closet, but the people in here who are black and gay know you're gay, but you're also black. And I might be gay, but I'm a black man first. And I cannot let homophobia come in between me and a fresh shape of it. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> All right, next up, we have Mr. Samson McCormick. Hey, brother, how you doing? So good. So good. So nice to have you here. And now I would like to jump into the topic of intersectionality with your blackness and your queerness. Um, when was the first time for you that you felt like I am at a crossroads of these two identities meeting in the middle? Ooh, child, and I popped out the womb, okay? Because I came out. 
I came out on the little platform. You know, games we like to make an entrance. I came out my mama's. Well, actually, it was a C-section. So C-section screams gay. Okay, um, when they cut that little C-section open, and I came up on this little platform. You know, I had these cute shirtless boys behind me. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding, but um, I think it was I think it was in the church. It was definitely in the church. You know, that's where you have to confront a lot of a lot of your identity as a black person with your own community. Absolutely. And do you feel like um, you were conscious of your differences? at a young age and the black church repressed that for you or were you just like, I'm this and I'm that, and it is what it is. Oh no, it's, it's definitely, that's a great question too. Um, it's definitely something that I had to, and this is, this is in regards to the last part of that mm-hmm. question is that it it is what it is part. That's something that I'm still learning how to do. You know, I think as black gay men, especially, that is a lifelong journey. It's a very dynamic, very changing thing um, that that looks different because, I mean, we go through puberty as black gay men. Absolutely. You know, even if you don't get teased for it, in the back of your mind, you know, there's something different about you. And as Ty said, you know, earlier you know, about, you know, uh, going to school and things like that. And like he said, you know, when he when he uh, told his mom that they called him gay, she's like, no, you're not. You know, when you hear that, because I think we all have an idea, there's a sort of fear that you live in that you might ruin your life or that you're you don't have as much value as another person. Correct. You know, so there's that. And then you go through your 20s, learning and discovering yourself. And, you know, sexually, uh, there are a lot of things that a lot of young black gay men go through, you know, with with unemployment, with HIV, with, you know, family issues. You have to go through that, grow through it and go through it in your 30s. And then we don't talk about becoming gay senior citizens. We're going to be gay old men one day. (laughs) Okay. it wasn't just me being gay growing up in my community. It was my entire being because I am a dark skinned black man. And, you know, in the eighties we were told that was unattractive. And so even though I know I'm fine as hell. Okay. Um, I still struggle with that sometimes, you know, (laughs) you know, looking at myself and, and hearing those things that I was told growing up, you know, about being, unattractive about being gay it's like everything about me i was told it was bad um so that has brought up something that we didn't get to talk about previously with ty and the ism um how has colorism affected you in your career as a comedian um or any walk of life um how has that been for you oh colorism has been it's been it hasn't been a challenge for me Okay, it's been a challenge for other people. Um, And I have had to learn how to not smack a bitch (laughs) because of their ignorance around my color, how I show up, what I look like, you know. Um, 
So it hasn't been so much an issue for me because this is the skin that I'm in. I went through that when I was younger, putting bleaching cream and stuff like that on. But it's it's mostly just been again, it's it's life is a continuous journey of self-acceptance. It is what it is. This is who I am. And if you don't like it, don't come over here. In my career, because there were uh, there was a film recently that uh, I had a role in and they told me explicitly. One of the assistants on the set told me explicitly I did not get a lead role because one of the producers uh, said something about my skin color. And this is coming from another black man. Another gay black man. There is so much within our own community that we need to unpack. And it's been said time and time again about none of us can be free until all of us are free. And uh, I apologize on his behalf to the fact that you can understand the struggle in being in it and yet create an unnecessary hurdle for someone who looks and speaks like you. Um, And I think that is one of the greatest human failures is forgetting that we are all one. It is only one thing, one race. Um, And that lack of memory, I think, is what causes so much trauma uh, within our community. So I I apologize. But the resilience that I hear in your voice um, and the fact that you didn't give up, like that would break a lesser person. Um, and it is important for you to have gone through that to be a testimony for the next Samson who is like, I'm going to give up because I can't do this. And you're like, oh, absolutely not, baby. Like, this is just the beginning. Um, so I applaud you for that. And he can eat shit. Yeah. With with sprinkles on it. (laughs) (laughs) I think we can all attest to a lot of the black comedians we grew up on uh, have histories of homophobic rhetoric in their jokes that were deemed okay in the 90s, early 2000s, and Mm -hmm. now uh, not so much. So who did you look up to um, growing up, watching comedy, and who do you uh, look up to, I guess, today, who's still killing it? Okay, so to to answer both of those really quickly, I've never had a problem with homophobic comedians. I had a problem with us not getting the same platform to answer it on a comedy stage. That's what I've had a problem with. I don't mind you being homophobic, especially if it's funny. If it's funny, I'm going to laugh at it, but then I'm going to come roast your ass. Okay, Um, as as far as comedians, you know, I, I study my craft. So, you know, Moms Mabley, who a lot of people don't know who Moms Mabley is. She was the first black woman stand up comedian. So she goes back through the 1920s. Mm. OK, at the Apollo Theater. And this is a black woman standing flat footed on a stage, which black people were not allowed to do in the 20s and 30s. And she's talking to black people about mm. racism, about Jim Crow you know, about um, a lot of the things that black people were facing back then. And she was a lesbian. Work. Um, so definitely my, uh, Moms Mabley, just the, the courage that it took to 
to be that, be who she was during that time. Um, and the fact that she inspired a lot of these men who, who got on the comedy stage and, and who do some of these homophobic jokes, you know. Also, Whoopi Goldberg, Red Fox, um, Paul Mooney. I love him. And of course, Richard Pryor. I love it. Now, who's killing it now that I follow? Um, um, oh, it's so many. It's so many people now. But I'm I'm not going to lie. Um, I think I'm the biggest fan of uh, Samson. <laughs> Period. Period. And you have to be your own fan. It is so important. And that's something that I've had to learn. Uh, nobody's going to fuck with my music the way I fuck with my music. Nobody's going to fuck with my art the way that I fuck with my art. And that confidence in knowing that this is good will prevent any other outside. Like you can criticize. I'm not above criticism, but I still know that I'm the shit internally because I fuck with my music. Mm -hmm. As somebody who listens to music, I know this is good. That's right. Um, So I love to hear people say, I am a fan of myself, period. Talk your shit. Yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be really blunt. Especially, I I re- I absolutely adore our community, but in our community as an artist, you have to be confident because sadly, as hard as we work, as much as we go through as Black gay artists, nobody attacks us as Black gay artists the way other Black gay men do, which is sad, but it's the truth. So you have to be very confident, and you have to be very have a lot of faith in yourself, and and be very resilient. Because nothing hurts worse than having the people that you create for, that you speak for, who share the same experiences as you, to tear you down. Why do you think that is? Why do we um, attack each other as black gay men? Yeah. Why do you think that is? I think we do that. Um, you know, like we discussed on here earlier, a lot of it is self-hatred. Um, some of it is in our culture. I understand the reading and stuff like that and the shade and stuff like that. That's cute to a certain degree. But then there's a threshold that we cross where it's like it's cool to be a mean girl. And it's so, so it's like you see another black gay person doing something and it's like, like, for instance, when I go to do a comedy show, um, I've had some great comedy shows, you know, at the Black Gay Weekends and stuff like that. Um, but like at my shows, everybody comes out, so it's not a problem. But I will go do like maybe, uh, I, you know, those little gay getaway weekends and like Punta Cana or something like that. You get up there and you start doing your material and it's 200 gay men in the auditorium looking at you like this. You know, so it's it's a thing like what's so special about you? And that's why you have to be confident. Because you got to get up there and be like, y'all are not cute in here. Everybody have been sucking dick all weekend. Don't get cute, bitch. Loosen up and have a good time. Period. Period. I love it. I love it. Um, Was there a certain point in, we'll just say, entertainment history where you felt that you had seen yourself be it tv movie uh anime cartoons like 
that person looks like me or like this is me on a screen I'm being reflected or have you yet to see that um I think yeah when I watched my first porno I saw myself (laughs) (laughs) no I'm, I'm kidding I'm kidding I'm kidding um I'm trying to think you know growing up I saw myself in <laughs> I saw myself in 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 spurts. I think we all saw ourselves as black people, which was most important. Looking at shows like Good Times, looking at shows like The Cosby Show, uh one of my favorites which was In Living Color, Martin, uh um A Different World. All those shows allowed me to see glimpses of myself. But as we've all spoken about here, we still didn't see black queer people on television unless they were a punchline. You know, so in that regard, I had to look look for myself in, in other mediums and they were all white gay people like Richard Simmons and stuff like that. And so I wasn't able to connect both of those identities as a black gay person because I didn't it not seeing myself on TV reinforced the idea that I couldn't be black and gay at the same time. So I'm still looking and I'm still creating. And I think that is where a lot of our art stems from. I hadn't heard a vocalist that sounded like me. I didn't see an artist that looked like me at the Grammys, the VMAs, the AMAs, So I'm going to create that path and take it as far as I can, as long as I can, to hopefully let somebody come behind me to be like, oh, this is a bit easier because he lived his truth. And that is why I applaud um, the ism for going hard in the paint and talking about Mm -hmm. exactly what he wants to talk about and exactly what he needs to talk about. And I think that is our responsibility as artists, especially as Black queer artists to walk firmly in our truth and really find our tribe, our uh, villages that do want to hear this, that do want to see this. Um, And I applaud Dan for creating this kind of platform Mm -hmm. because before this, I hadn't heard of, uh, I mean, I, I was aware of queer podcasts, but nothing like this, nothing that centered us in this way. And, um, I was blown away by our interview, by y'all's interviews, and this right. to have come around so quickly tells me that he's serious about this. And that is what an ally is to me. That is somebody who is putting their money where their mouth is and using the platform that they have to push the conversation forward. And we as black queer men have a responsibility to do that for one another. But Hollywood in the entertainment industry also has that responsibility. You cannot make money off of our backs. You cannot make money off of our stories and not include us in the rooms. Like that doesn't make, anyway, this isn't about me. Um, But right, right, right. You you tell them the truth though. um, I want to talk a little bit about fear Um, because as an artist myself, I have this um, imposter syndrome sometimes. Um, that says you're not an artist or there are people out there doing what you do better. Um, And of course, you know, there's confident days and then there are fearful days. And so I just want to hear you speak a little bit about that in your experience, um, if you've had it and how you've overcome it. 
I wouldn't necessarily say fear um, because I'm, I'm a little crazy. So the more dangerous something is, I walk towards it. <laughs> and so I think that's something that has benefited me um, is I'm not afraid. Um, I am not afraid to be disappointed. I am not afraid to put it out there. I am not afraid of judgment. So that has has helped me a lot. Um, the biggest challenge for me, I think, though, um, has been. Well, there are two things. One of them has been not having the the resources and support that I need. And I think that as as especially as black artists, whether you're gay or whatever, we and this is just not with art. This is with life. We kind of have to pick up and get it out of the mud. A lot of us come into this business. We don't mm-hmm. have nobody to make no calls for us. The agents, they don't we can't get meetings with agents because you need to know somebody to get a meeting with an agent. Um, you know, you might not have all the money to get all the equipment that you need. But thankfully, uh, as, as a black person who comes from not so much, you learn to make a way out of no way. As black people do, we can take a, whole, a little bit and make a whole lot. Um, and that's a true blessing. So that has been a bit of a struggle. Um, and like Ism was saying earlier, it's like kind of looking for those moments that that change your life a little bit, that put you ahead a little bit. It struggling through those moments can be really hard. That requires a lot of faith. Um, and I think the biggest thing, though, as 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 a black queer artist has been. Even though I'm very outspoken and I'm and I will tell the truth, I think it has been and to a degree to call it what it is, being afraid to speak up for what I deserve. And I think a lot of us do that because we are told and it's reinforced that what we do does not have value. And so that's the reason why a little Nas X and Tiger Call and them will skip over an essence, but they'll go to Vanity Fair. Because we have been taught that what we do has no value. So that's been the biggest that's I would say that's probably been the biggest challenge is, is really because in my head I know it. And I think we all look at the art that we create and we know what we deserve, but it's a matter of speaking up and saying, I deserve this. I deserve to be paid this amount. I need this in order to do my work. I want to perform here. More people should be paying attention to me. It's okay to say that and believe it and know that you deserve that. I love it. I love it. And I think that more youth need to hear that sooner um, because I didn't get to that point until like my mid-20s. But if I would have heard that somebody tell me that I had permission to say that I deserve what my talent is really worth um, at 18, when I first started writing songs and things like that, I think the trajectory might have been a little different. But I am also very thankful for the direction that my life has gone. I know it's been for a reason. Um, and now I can pass that message along to the youth behind me who are just dipping their foot mm-hmm. into the water. Um, if you weren't doing comedy right now, um, a mix, comedy, acting, uh, what do you think? you would be doing? Um, oh, 
a hoe, a big old hoe. That's it. I would just be hoeing all the time. That's what I would be doing. <laughs> no, I would. I would probably be. Uh, I would probably be a teacher or a vet. If I was straight, I would probably be a minister. And I think that it, it's very interesting. Um, I have also felt the call to teach. Um, not explicitly minister, but uh, to spread positivity through spirituality, I think is very important. Um, and I think that I do it best on the stage yes. through my music. Even though my music isn't explicitly spiritual, um, I think all music, uh, all art is a spiritual experience. And so mm -hmm. I try to put, even if the song is sad, angry, whatever, it is still a positive vibration that I am trying to put out. And that is why I'm at peace with not teaching right now or not ministering, because I feel like I'm still. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for taking the time and speaking again so eloquently on an experience that we all have shared, but is still so uniquely different. And I hope and I pray that anybody listening to this has found a bit more of themselves in each one of us and vice versa. I think everybody today kind of mentioned like the why. The why is so important. And this is for, for all of us and for anybody listening, like the why is so important because I've been mm -hmm. doing this for 20 years. I've been doing this for a really long time. And someone as I wake up and I'm like, Man, fuck this. Okay, I'm tired. And the why is what keeps you going. And so it's so important to know that why, you know, um, and the, once you have that why, it answers everything else. Like for all the disappointments, for all the letdowns, for whatever you don't get, once you know that why, and my why is I grew up being told that I wasn't worth anything. I grew up being told that nobody wanted to hear what I had to say. I was abused. I was abandoned, you know. Um, the the why is like we said earlier. I don't want anybody to go through what I go through and what I have gone through, but I know that they will. And so I hope to be a voice with humor that allows all of us who go through what we go through to be able to first laugh at it because laughter really it it lifts you in a very almost spiritual way. And mm -hmm. you know that if you keep going just a little bit further, you're going to learn everything and you're going to be okay. I love that. I love that. It's time to restart. See, growth is the hardest part. I've known it from the very start. To remain the same would break my heart. It's time to restart. See, growth is the hardest part. I've known it from the very start. To remain the same would break my It's time to And um, I do want to invite the ism and tie back in more of an open forum. Um, if there's anything that was said during anybody else's um, interview that you want to speak on, or um, there's something else you want to interject, something to kind of bring us to a close, um, please come back and let's talk about it. Um, first of all, um, 
I just wanted to say thank you to you and to Dan. Um, uh, Dan, um, it, it is uh, very, very telling of, of who you are and your character to that, uh, for you to give your platform so that Black queer men could have a, a platform to speak, to speak our truth as we see fit without it being tempered with by hands and minds that want to discredit us and try to suck the value out of our story. So, so thank you very, very much. I just wanted to say that first before we even get started, because Samson, you hit a lot of shit that I really want to thank you for until I really get into. Ty, we already have our conversation, so you know how we do. But yeah. Todd, you want to say anything? Uh yeah. Um, I agree with um everything that Samson said. The what really hit for and yeah, this is a Ty, by the way. <laughs> um what <laughs> you said about I just <laughs> just in case you didn't know, um, when you said that I deserve for people to listen to me, I have struggled with that, that. for so long mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Being just growing up black, you're just like you, you know, the whole like you don't deserve anything. Like you're lucky to get the scraps that you get or you're lucky to that you even got to where you are today because, you know, it could be you could be worse off. The whole like of saying like I deserve like as a black person, regardless of your sexuality, is such a huge thing that we struggle with because we're we're constantly to like, you know, you should be grateful, even within the community, you should be grateful for that job you got, you you, you don't need to be trying to strive for more, you need to be grateful for the things that you have. Mm -hmm. And, and yes, there's you, you have to have gratitude along the way, because that help keeps you, you know, grounded. But to know that you're like, no, I deserve that. I was like, I'm not, I'm actually talented as fuck. Mm -hmm. I'm actually, I do quality work, I make quality art. I'm about my shit. I'm about my business. That's right. And yeah, you do deserve to see me. And I need y'all to see it. That definitely just freed me today. Because I've, yes. I've, I've been struggling with that. That's right. Because mm. I was mm. even telling my my camp that I, I do music with. And I was my drummer, who is a white heterosexual man, we had this whole conversation about like why I'm not where he thinks he thinks that I should be. And he was like, look, you're a black you're a dark-skinned black man singing sort of like pop but soul music and you're and you don't you're not like the super super like effeminate type of guy mm-hmm. but you're not the masculine like trade kind of guy you're just the normal you're just like well not the normal but you're in the in between you're the average everyday person and that scares people because it's like oh if i can relate to that then i can be like oh wait i can't be homophobic anymore because i relate to this thing music this person's music mm. and that infuriated me but it gave me some sort of clarity mm-hmm. i'm like okay so it's because i'm that damn good <laughs> that, <laughs> that, 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 no yes, that, that a lot of people don't really fuck with me but, <laughs> but, it is, but it, i want to just wrap it up and say that it is okay to say what you want and what you deserve like we just have to it's okay to do that because it's been so beaten right. in personally my that's head, right from you know my you know experiences and you know growing Same. up like you you can't say that you can't say that no because that's being gluttonous and that's you know you, you that's a sin and all this stuff you can't say that you want more and I was like why not being arrogant mm-hmm. exactly. and being right. arrogant right. so it, that 
Oh yeah, that definitely just whoo, that was a nice little yeah, yeah that free was something like, crazy. Ha. Yeah. And I think that there's also something to be said about audacity mm-hmm. and having the audacity to like, say who are you? Oh no, I'm hot shit. No, but it, I think it is important for us to say that because so many of our white counterparts have no problem saying it and none whatsoever there is a lot of white mediocrity in the entertainment industry talk about and it if they can have the audacity to say that i deserve bma main stage slots uh apollo theater sold out shows and they are not as good as we know some of their black counterparts are um we should have that audacity to say i put in the work i put in the time I make the art. I'm hot shit. Right. Do you know, this is Dan here, everyone, just jumping in here. I'm very mindful of a scene in a movie uh, called, in, in, the, in the United States, it, the movie was called Truth or Dare. And then, and then outside of America, it was called In Bed with Madonna. And it was a documentary about Madonna's Blonde Ambition tour. And there's a scene where Madonna is with her two backing dancers, Donna and Nikki. And she says to the camera, do you know what? Donna and Nikki are better singers than I am. They're better dancers. And for some reason, I'm the one that's popular. And I think uh, one of them is Hispanic and one of them was black. And I remember even as a teenager watching that thinking, it's because you're white. And so I'm 48, 49 now. And I spent my entire teenage years seeing incredibly good black singers who looked good and danced good and sounded good. And there were three microphones behind in front of mediocre white singers. It's so infuriating. I mean, it is digestibility, Mm -hmm. uh, similar to what Ty was saying. Like if you can play the middle of the road, you are not too effeminate. You are not too masculine. You're not too gay but you're also entertaining, um, then please come along. But if you have an opinion, if you're too black, if you're too rough around the edges, um, and I just, I don't know if you all have seen um, Tina Turner's recent documentary on HBO Max. And she talked about nobody wanted to sign her because she was without Ike, so she was a woman. Mm -hmm. She was very opinionated. She was older. There's ageism. Like, there's so much that black artists have to jump through to get a fraction of the space. And yet we are writing the songs. We're dancing the dances. We're creating the choreography. We're creating the music. And it's like, that's okay. As long as you are in the the back. Um, And it's unfortunate, but I think that the bandaid, the fix to that is one conversations like this uh, two networking horizontally and not so focused on the vertical. Like I want to sit at somebody else's table, create your own table. And then you get to decide who sits there and who doesn't and elevate together. Um, And then when you get to the Hollywood tables, now we're neighbors. I'm not at your table. We are neighboring tables and you have more say and more power. Um, That is what we are. And, and Samson mentioned it, resources and power and the lack of both of those things. Um, you could be the most talented artist in the world. And unless you get a break, 
nobody will ever know who you are. And social media has helped a lot with discoverability, um, but it's still not perfect. And it's unfortunate. And that's something that I hope to do when I make it um, <clears throat> to be able to look at an artist on Twitter and be like, oh, no, you got the work ethic. You got the chops. Let me be an angel investor and take care of you so you can do what I know you are meant to do. Yep, exactly. Mm -hmm. So Dan mentions in the chat, uh, is Lil Nas X empowering or does it make you think, quote, queer Black people have been doing that for years? Is he riding on other people's shoulders or helping people up? Um, And I have an opinion on that, but I'll let you all speak first and then I'll chime in at the end. Please please let me speak on that real quick. Oh, well, you, you, go, you, go. you go, you go, you go, you go, you go, Samson. This it's 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 Samson, y'all. <laughs> so, um, with Lil Nas X, one thing that the public doesn't isn't aware of is that there were LGBTQ hip hop artists out way before him, way before Frank Ocean, way before Saucy Santana. There was the Deep Dick Collective in the Bay Area getting bottles thrown at them. Yes, sir. For yes, sir. being on stage talking about dick. And these are three or four big old black men that look like they hang out at barbecues all the time talking about how they want to be laid up with another man. And this is in the, the mid to late 90s. OK, um, and it's the biggest issue that I have. And I say this because I am a pioneer myself is that these kids who get these platforms that other people have had to kind of suffer through so that they can have is they don't do their homework and they don't acknowledge. So he's standing on some shoulders that he has not yet acknowledged. Ty, did you want to say something? Yeah, actually, and I'm going to follow up, follow up exactly with what he said. I believe in that, in his situation, when it comes to Lil Nas X, is that yes, he hit his moment or his moments moments that he's having are great because you know he did stand on the shoulders of you know the artists that you know previously previously came before him, but I don't even think he thought he could get that far. So it's like not only do you not have the knowledge or you know the history, but you really just don't have the tools. And not saying that he's not a great artist in his own right because what he does is him and he does that greatly but there is there's a disconnect within himself i believe there's a disconnect to lineage and not having you know with like the ism said not having the right folks around you to kind of like check you to be like hey yes you're doing great sweetie you also a black gay person not saying you got to speak for everybody but you need to understand your presence in this industry and in this this country this world and what that means like you're a freaking anomaly. Like you beat Mariah Carey's record <laughs> on the Billboard charts. Like right. there's a certain statue that not say he has to be like somebody, but there's a certain just awareness that you have to have. And also he's young too. So you kind of have to give him a mm-hmm. little bit of grace, just a tad bit of grace. But it's also kind of like, that's where you need to have the right people to kind of like, hey, you know, just be aware of like how they're shaping the narrative around you. Be aware of like how they're trying to pivot you as this sort of person or this image or this picture. Like just be aware of how they're trying to manipulate you in a way. Like it's just, there has to be community. And 
it goes back to that whole conversation about just working across and like, hey, okay, I need you to have my back. I need, you know, I got you. Like, I just feel like he got to have the right people around him. I just feel like that's mm. that's that he's doing great. Yeah. Him being around is great, but for him to stay around, he has to get the right people around him. He has to have the the know how, the lineage of like the the people who came before him, and you know, just try to you know make it. I I guess do better. I won't say that because that it felt bad, but just know better, do better, know better, and do better. So I would just say that for him. Know better, do better. Ism, what do you think? Well, what what everyone has said is uh, okay. I with 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 Lil Nas X, it's a double sided coin because there's one side that said absolutely everything well thinks and agrees with everything that Ty and Samson said, but then there's the other side of the coin where it's 15-year-old me that didn't have a Lil Nas X back then. So to see this 22-year-old boy sliding down a stripper pole into hell with knee boots on and giving a lap dance to Satan was the illest shit I think I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I feel like, for me, that told the the gay black boys in, in in his thing. Hey, you can you can be yourself and it's all right. We were told just keep that part of you to yourself. Mm-hmm. And now there are people like him who are out here living proudly, unabashedly, and it's beautiful to see. But caution was the first openly gay rapper and he wasn't even really a rapper it was some milli vanilli shit but i digress he don't even know about caution so yeah i think like like everybody said he needs to get the the right people are like around him and he needs to like keep it about the art you don't have to flex oh name another dope gay artist in the past 10 years Case the killer, Nikki Blanco. Killer. I can go on. Case the killer, <laughs> Leaf. I can go on. So it, at that Dios. moment, I was like, okay, I think like like somebody needs to sign you real quick, and not sign you in a bad way, but just sign you like, yo, like, bro, like, listen, take this playlist and and go sit in the corner. Yeah, agreed. Or or, or as they said in the south. Go learn you something. Mm-hmm. And that's all I got to say. I love him, though. I love him. Right. But... And I was like, yes. it is all love for Little Nas X because he has done something that a lot of us haven't been able to touch, to taste. Right. Um, I feel like we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as artists um, that once we get a platform we feel like we have to carry the weight of our people on our shoulders. And like you said, he is a child. He deserves to be in a child's place to enjoy this space for a little bit. And Justin Bieber Mm -hmm. had it. Justin Timberlake had it. Christina Aguilera had it. Like all Mm -hmm. of them started as children in the industry. They made their fucking mistakes. They had to learn from them, grow from them, and they became who they are today. 
Um, I don't think we've seen the best of what Little Nas has to offer. And I want to give him the Absolutely. space and the grace to show us. I don't want to put any additional. Yes. I know there's already pressure from labels, managers, agents pulling him in a million different directions. I don't want to be the cause of any more mm-hmm. pressure. I am praying and hoping for the best See. that the See. ancestors are whispering in his ear. But I just want to be along for the ride. I just want to watch. Amen. Okay. <laughs> and to actually just to uh just add a little bit more to that. I think the only reason why there's so much pressure and so much like hysteria around him is that he's kind of like the only one who's got that that far there's others who are in the mainstream who are like they they're here they're there like you know them but like he got the hot spot on him right now and it'd be different if there was like the other ones were around him like as well like you have mnek or you have vincent or you have cakes like if they were all on right. a, on like sort of like a level of like okay hey you right there i think it would be okay because it's like he's that you would have more variations of what it means to be a black queer artist now people just like okay mm-hmm. is that the definition because that's even you hear that conversation within black queer men <laughs> like I, right. I don't know if y'all have had that but i've had it in my friend circles and they're like that's he's not the only version of us like we're not a monolith and and it's like right. i get i get why because you feel like that's not a representation of you but in a way it is because when that man right. said I want to shoot in a, a child in your mouth while I ride it. I saw, heard myself. <laughs> well, yes. Okay. I, I was like, look, the fact that he could say this on a record, because you know he right. had to go through hurdles for him to say it on a record. So I'm like, mm. I might bottom on the low, but I top shit. <laughs> I was like, yes, I'm here for that. Say the thing. Say all the things. Like that is, Say all like the things. Even though you may not aesthetically you know, agree or whatever, but him even saying something about gay sex, that is part, that is a part of you. That is representation for you. Whether you agree with it or not, it is still representation. So it's just not, there needs to need to be more. That's what I'm trying to say. There needs to be more allowed right. into that sort of echelon of space of notoriety. That that don't represent me because I'd be too busy trying to go to bed. <laughs> not trying to go to bed. <laughs> But that's what I'm saying. There needs to be more artists like that. That's like, hey, look, we ain't gotta, we ain't gotta fuck tonight. I just, can we cuddle? Can we just go to sleep? There just needs to be more. Can we cuddle? I got, we gotta be up early, right? Can I take a nap? <laughs> okay, so gentlemen, uh, we could do this all day, and I know we could, um, but I want to wrap uh, for our listeners. If you had, and we'll go in the order that we did the interviews. Um, One final message to our listeners um, about the Black queer experience, something that you want them to get, to understand, to feel from you uh, as an artist, as a human, as a Black man, as a queer man. Just one, sum it up as best you can. I know we could talk about this for years. And like you said, we're not a monolith, but your last bit, and I'll give you a second, Ty, I know I put you on the spot going first. Um, What I would say is that no one should have to live in fear of who they are. Um, The closet sucks, but liberation is so beautiful Mm. and everyone is deserving of it. So find your own liberation and work on it every day. 
period. The ism. One thing to final send our listener off about the black queer American experience. I I feel like what I'm gonna say is very off brand, but I have to be real. Um, you may not have the the support that you need. You may not have the love that you need, but go after your shit. Whatever it is, go after it. Finish that book, write those songs. If you want to sing, you don't think you're all that great, take some fucking singing lessons. Throw some piano, bring guitar in there and make your own fucking music. But go after your shit. Sew them dresses. Um, if you feel led to, to be on the board in, in your city, run for that motherfucking council seat. Don't let a small piece of who you are determine your destiny. Period. Amen. Because if that were the case, there would be no Todd, there would be no Samson, there would be no me, there would be no character, there would be no Dan, there would be no Dan, there would be no no Lil Nas X, there would be, there would be no nothing because none of us went after it. So go after your shit. Yes, and yes. And fuck the police. Period. Samson? <laughs> uh, what, what would I say? I would say... um that it's really the straight people it's i I really do like it i hope that straight people who are listening have learned something um i i I really love straight people um i probably could have a straight best friend (laughs) now do i agree with that lifestyle no um so So we will continue to pray for y'all. You see how ignorant that sounds? I I really want us to just learn how to really embrace each other as black people. It's it doesn't matter who we go home and sleep with. We are black first, and that's what we need to get right first. And then I think everything else will take care of itself from there. And um and I want to do a quick plug. Um, I have a brand new film on Amazon Prime called Love the One You're With. Please go check it out. It is really good. Support, support, support. Carrington, um, you've been asking questions all night, well, all day. Um, So I would like to throw the question back to you as you've you've been wonderful, very wise, very um, intelligent, very eloquent. What would your message be? Um, thank you first for the kind words. Um, my message is to anyone listening, but especially my black queer babies, um, you are worthy. You are deserving. You are everything that you need to be in this exact moment. And don't let anybody convince you otherwise. Um, it is easy to question your worth when people project things onto you that you don't have to take on. Boundaries are important, but if you have to write it on a mirror, on a sticky note, on your cell phone, every morning, remind yourself that you are worthy of love. You are worthy of opportunity. You are worthy of life, despite what this country continually tells us um you are loved by people you haven't even met yet 
And uh, I don't want anybody to ever forget that. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Dan, for having us. Thank you, Samson, yes. Ty, the ism. It is, has been a pleasure. I think it is so needed. And I hope it reverberates to the edge of the universe. This energy was so peaceful. It was full of understanding and truth. Um, and I'm glad you all felt comfortable enough to really just talk to me like we've been friends for years. And I hope we are friends for years to come because this right. is we Beautiful. are <laughs> absolutely i've known it from the very start to remain the same would break my heart it's time um, so to our listeners, thank you so much for sticking around for this beautiful, beautiful conversation. Uh, Ty, the ism, Samson, uh, thank you for doing the work. Thank you for telling your truth. Thank you for walking in it. Um, we can't ask for anything more. And um, I hope that you all took as much away from this conversation as I did. That's right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Feel like I'm running from you, but that just ain't the truth. I'm trying to get back to my roots, trying to shake this pain to lose. Oh, it feels like And that just about wraps it up on this two-part special on the Black American queer experience, which has been so wonderfully guest presented by Carrington Kelso. Carrington, thank you so, so much. You've done a brilliant job. Thank you. This was a pleasure uh, and an honor, really, to be able to speak to a personal experience, but also to really get to know uh, these three gentlemen so much better through our uh, connective tissue. Uh, can you tell us what was the main message that you got out of this uh, and also the, the main thing that surprised you in these conversations? Um. The main message that I took uh, from our conversation was there is not one way to be queer and to be black, and yet we are all still connected. Um, there was so much diversity in just the four of us speaking, and yet um, there was so much that connected us, so much of myself that I could see in them, and hopefully so much of themselves that they could see in me and in my journey. And I want all of our queer listeners, all of our black listeners and all of our allies um, to really see and to lean into that connective tissue, um, because I think that's where healing begins. Um, my biggest surprise, I'm gonna say the honesty uh, from everybody. Um, everybody was so raw and truthful. And I think that that is, again, where healing comes from. When we try to hide or hold things in or shield others, so we sugarcoat or soften. Um, and that is applause to you, to your platform that you're creating. Um, you never told us, you know, we couldn't cuss or be vulgar. It was whatever the truth was, however it needed to come out. Um, and the gentleman leaned into it, Ty, uh, the ism, Samson, all of them were very honest and very raw. And I think that is why the conversation went so well and, and, uh, was so moving. 
And what do you feel we can all do as next steps to keep this improving? The first thing is listen. I think that we are not some innovative, trend-setting, Black queer men. I mean, we are in our art. Uh, I think we're all a little rebellious in the way we create and what we're creating. But there have been Black men that have come before us saying the exact same things uh, to our queer counterparts, especially our white queer counterparts, and to our Black heterosexual counterparts. And it seems to have fallen on a lot of deaf ears. Um, I'm not saying all allies, but I feel like a lot of allies are just like, I don't agree with this one part or I wasn't raised for this one part. So I'm going to try to minimalize or microaggress against you because I don't believe in or I don't support. Um, But I'm a firm believer that none of us can be free until all of us are free. And so. Freedom comes from truth. Uh, Freedom comes from understanding. And um, we're here. Like, queer people are here. Black people are here. And you have to understand our truth. You have to be open to that. And we'll be open to yours. Uh, And that understanding, that bridge, um, is, is where the magic lies. So please, please, please listen first. Um... And then use whatever privileges you have. I am wholly aware that being a cisgendered man, I have privileges that other demographics, minorities don't have. Um, And so I try to use that privilege to do the most good. And if you have privilege, whether it's being strictly black and not gay or whether it's being gay but not black um, or any other of the intersections where you can um, afford opportunity to someone who may not have that because of one of their uh, diversities, um, please use your power for good. Listen and then use your power for good. And once we are all, or once all of us are free, um, I believe that that is when society can truly take a step forward and we can all begin to live in purpose. And I think that's a fantastic exit point. (laughs) Just before we go though, Carrington, I understand you might have a a new record. Yes, yes. Um, So, I kind of hinted at it um, at the end of um, the interviews. It's called Come Over, and it is probably my most uh, sexually fueled, sexually forward uh, song to date. And it is also probably my favorite song that I've released to date. And it was so freeing to write, to sit in that space, uh, because I'm a very sexual person. And for the longest time, I wanted to uh, avoid or shy away from that. Um, And I think it comes from society's uh, stamp on queer individuals, that we are these hypersexualized creatures. and everybody's not like that. And, and I know there are scales, you know, some people are more sexual than others, but it's not because of my queerness that I am a sexual person. It, it's just, you know, who I am. And so I, I wanted to write a song that was very clearly queer, 
Um, I say, you know, pronouns at the beginning, um, but I wanted it to be sexy. I wanted anybody listening to it to feel like, you know, um, that kind of foreplay on the phone before you have whoever's coming over, come over. Um, and it's kind of also like a tongue in cheek, like come over, come over. Um, so yeah, I, I adore it. Please go listen to streaming or purchasing wherever you buy music. Um, and you know, we're just going to keep the ball rolling in that vein. What well, not strictly sexual, but just as honest as that song is, I never want to stray away from that again in my artistry. So this kind of just opened a floodgate and we're, we're running full steam ahead now. Wonderful. And of course there'll be links to that new song in the show notes for this special. Carrington, would it be okay with you if we used it as our closing title music? Yes, please, please, please. I would love that. Fantastic. <laughs> Carrington Kelso, you've been the most wonderful special guest presenter on In the Key of Q. It's been really genuinely wonderful to have you. And as soon as we get off this chat, I'm going to try and work out a way that we can bring you back sooner rather than later, if you'd be up for it, because Absolutely. you've been such an asset. Anytime, please call me. I would love, love, love that. Darling, that's absolutely wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait for you to come over. Can't quite find the words, but I'll show you. No, you're missing me. Don't gotta hide it. What's your fantasy? Let me supply it. You're a good boy on the outside, but I know you're craving. A bad boy on the inside, been misbehaving. And I ain't no angel, Lord knows it. I'ma do my best tonight to show it. Many thanks for listening to this episode with Carrington Kelso, Ty McKinney, The Ism, and Samson McCormick. Remember, there's exclusive content over at patreon.com slash in the key of Q, and there you can show support for the show for as little as five US dollars a month. Tell me what you thought about today's episode and the issues raised in it, and share your thoughts, not just with me, but with those artists that appeared. The pod's on social media at in the key of Q, or email me direct on podcast at in the key of Q.com. And do rate and review the show on your podcast provider. It really helps. Our theme tune is by Paulie Needu at unstoppablemonsters.com and our publicist is Paul Smith at paulwsmith at gmail.com. Many thanks to Karjan Kantha and Murray Lang for their support in making this episode. And just once more, of course, a huge thank you to the wonderful Carrington Kelso. The show is presented and produced by me, Dan Hall, and made at Pub Media Consultancy. See you next Tuesday. Pre-game for I called you Just to warm up to the real game And that's all you Need a taste test, it's the best wet And you know it Keep the tempo getting warm now Don't blow it Could you blame me if I said I've been craving Do say on my breath misbehaving Said I'm love drunk Don't you tease me Come on over, show me why you need me Come on, come on.